بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباد الذين اصطفهم بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم افلا يتدبرون القران ام على قلوب اقفالها صدق الله العظيم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم as the month of ramadan being less than 2 weeks away uh one of the core concepts and ideas we have as ramadan approaches is our goals for reciting the quran but one very important aspect of the quran that we have neglected be it as the regular uh awamun nas be it as scholars students of knowledge is reflecting over the Quran pondering over the Quran because Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept a lot of secrets in the Quran Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the Quran in such a manner that it has the ability to purify one's heart it has the ability to cure even certain sicknesses that to the extent some ulama have mentioned that fi shifa'ul nas even physical sicknesses that the Quran Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala has given the ability to cure even when it comes to a person's level of concentration if you actually contemplate over the Quran and you ponder over it and you concentrate while reading the Quran that will increase your concentration it will have an effect upon your memory your brain everything but one aspect which is very important is reflect, reflecting over the Quran Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in surah al-mu'minun أَفَلَمْ يَدَّبَّرُ خَوْلَ أَمْجَاءَهُمْ مَا لَمْ يَأْتِي آبَاءُهُمُ الْأَوَّلِينَ That do they not reflect the dabbur? Do they not reflect over the Qur'an which is revealed? Or did something come to them from their, from, uh, something come to their forefathers? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Surah Sa'ad كِتَابٌ أَنزَنَاهُ إِلَيْكَ مُبَارَكُ لِيَدَّبَّرُوا آيَاتِهِ وَلِيَتَذَكَّرُ أُلُوا الْأَلْبَابِ Such a blessed book, we a book which we have revealed to you. There's blessings in, it, in this book. And what was the purpose of revealing this book, لِيَتَذَكَّرَ أُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ So that the people of intellect can reflect over this. Allah SWT mentioned in Surah Muhammad, أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنَ أَمْ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِنَا قَفَالُهَا Do they not reflect and ponder over the book or their hearts have locks on them? If you ponder over the book, ponder over the Qur'an, Allah SWT will unlock those locks. تَدَبَّرُ the word itself, Da, dal, ba, ra. Dubur refers to the backside, meaning it's on the backside. And tadabur is something that you have to go back to. It's not just once, you have to repeat it. Typically, what we do is when we recite the Quran, we recite it very quickly because we have our goals, you know, to finish four, five, six khatams, however many khatams we want. You won't be able to properly reflect over the Quran. Whilst reading it quickly So someone had come to Mulan Shafaitani One of the great scholars And had asked him About you know I want to reflect over the Quran also But I want to be able to Do numerous khatans So Mulan Shafaitani One of our great scholars Hakim al-Ummah He told him That make a time In which you're going to read the Quran And you're going to read it Just you know quickly in order to finish However many khatans you want 
and allocate a separate time in which you will reflect over the Quran. And this was in the month of Ramadan which he had asked this question. So the dabur of the Quran, it's something which you have to ponder. It could be even one ayah, but you ponder over it. The narration uh, in Tirmidhi, Abu Juhayfa had asked Ali radiallahu anhu, Dakhutuli Ali radiallahu anhu, and this is the time when he was, Ali, Ali was uh, the Khalifa. So, Qutuli Ali radiallahu anhu, Ya Amir al Mu'mineen, Hal aindakum sawda'u fi bayda'a laysa fi kitab Allah. Literal meaning is do you have any black ink on a piece of paper that's not in from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Meaning, do you have any scripture or scroll? That's not affiliated Or that has extra knowledge Not found in the Quran And this, he was asking this question Because this is the time when There was a Rawafid and Khawarij There were Shias that had Started to form Abdullah ibn Sabah Had you know, spread news to people That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Had given Ali radiallahu special knowledge So he had asked him So Ali radiallahu anhu said He said la as one narration goes He says no by the one who split the seed And created the creation I have no knowledge except comp- this comprehension That Allah Taala gives to a human being Rajun has mentioned It's not just him Any man the muhaddithun and the commentators of this hadith mention that knowledge which a person will get by pont- contemplating and pondering over the Quran. And we know Ali had a lot of knowledge. And much of that knowledge also he had gotten, which was not directly from Nabi but from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What as a result of this? That knowledge which he had attained by contemplating over the Quran. And then he mentioned Wamafis Sahifati, and there was just a piece of paper which he had and it was told what was in the Sahifa and he said, Fiha Aqlu wa fikakul asiri wa Allah yuqtala mu'minu bikafirin. It's talking about um, the 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 blood money, the the amount a person will give if he were to kill someone accidentally, the fadail of freeing a slave, and that a believer would not be killed in place of a kafir as far as qisas goes, which are pertaining to fiqh ahkam. But the main thing is how Ali Radiallah said, I only have that knowledge. That faham Which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given to someone A human being, anyone That ponders over the Qur'an So this is a core concept That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed the Qur'an To ponder over It's not just meant to be read uh, And not understanding also Now contemplating over the Qur'an It's not just specified And you know, specific with people of knowledge To scholars Or those that may know the Arabic language because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew there will be people that will not know the Arabic language. This is the kitab for the entire mankind. So Mullah Hassan Nadwi rahimullah mentioned when it comes with those that don't know the Arabic language, the awam nas what are you supposed to contemplate and ponder over? In the Quran there's various verses, there's various themes and topics. But one of the main themes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always brings a human being back to is the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the tawheed. And in order to support that, in order to understand that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells the creation to look at, you know, the makhluk, look at the creation, look what's around you. Not necessarily things which are man-made, but we have buildings, skyscrapers, cars, these type of things. But looking at nature, 
looking at the sky, looking at the earth, looking at the camel, looking at the animals. And obviously, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned those things which were relevant to the Arabs at that time. He mentioned camel versus looking at a tiger or a lion because obviously they, that didn't exist over there. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's general theme there is to contemplate over the natural things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. Why is it because you're reminded of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's not possible a human being can create that. No matter what extent we may reach as far as uh, our technological advancements, you won't be able to reach that point where you can actually create a human being from scratch, create an animal from scratch, create a tree from scratch. And now who's controlling that on top of the entire world? Uh, these changes are coming about. Who's in charge of that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in charge of that. So looking at the verses, what we can do in the month of Ramadan when it comes, there are verses that are pertaining to fiqhi ahkam, rulings, pertaining to our deen and our sharia. Those aren't things for us to contemplate about. Those are the fuqaha and the mujtahidun and that have derived uh, masail and fiqhi rulings from those ayat. But there's these basic ayat which a person, if they were to read, they're very simple also. It's talking about just the creation, the creation of Adam salam, the story of the prophets. Why is the repetition of the story of the prophets so many times? People raise this as a common objection that Orientalists and amongst the past people have raised that there's repetition and inconsistency in the stories of the Anbiya. And the reason why you'll find the repetition and what they deem as inconsistency is because the purpose is not just to relate a story from beginning to end as it is. Only one story was related with all the details from beginning to end, that was Surah Yusuf. Because the theme of Surah Yusuf is completely different than the themes of all the other surahs. It was talking about Yusuf salam, um, and his, it wasn't talking about his nation being destroyed. Right? His was a different of story of sabr and the jealousy of, 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 his, uh, of his brothers. Whereas in the other stories of the Anbiya, it was dealing and pertaining with their nation, how they had to deal with them, the patience against their nation, how they were destroyed because they didn't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and addressing Quraysh also, to take an example. So when you look at the different stories Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in the Quran and you contemplate, these are the punishments Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given. Luth alayhi salam's people. That when our command had come, we toppled the city. We turned upside down. We turned them upside down also, as it comes in Jibreel and their punishment. Jibreel took them all the way to the heavens and turned them upside down and threw them down that way and had pelted them with stones. Stones that had, as some of us mentioned, that had the names written on it. And what was that punishment for this act which they were doing? And Allah SWT then mentions later on in Surah Hud that that adab which Lut Arisan's people had gotten is not ba'id, it's not far from you all or Quraysh. Meaning it's possible that punishment or some sort of that punishment can, can still come even though you know, the entire ummah won't be destroyed as Nabi Wasallam has made dua for that uh, Allah SWT will, you know, won't uh, destroy the entire ummah but those individual punishments can come upon a human being. When a person ponders and contemplates over that And if someone is involved in that sin Or someone has those desires Then they'll have the strength to fight those desires off They'll have the strength to abstain from that sin When a person is known as a thief Or likes to steal money Or threaten people As how Shoaib salam's people Madian would do And then the punishment which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent upon them 
And what does that start creating within one's heart? It starts to create khashya. It starts to create khawf, fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Punishments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It grants, a, it grants an individual riqqatul qalb. Hearts become softened. Right? The Quran has the ability to soften one's heart. If the month of Ramadan comes and we're not able to shed one tear, then our hearts didn't change. Be it in public or even in privacy. In privacy, a person should be able to shed tears in dua or out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when reciting the Quran. But how will that come when you ponder and reflect over the Quran? The type of lifestyle that we live in, that we live in it goes it boils down to what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned in a hadith that Al-Anatu min Allah wal Arjatu min Shaitan that composure and being tolerant, forbearing and having patience from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala wal Arjatu min Shaitan being hasty from Shaitan every aspect of our life because this dunya just runs in haste that's why Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has described this dunya as ajila man kaan yurid al ajila ta'ajjalna lahum fiha ma nasha Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has described this dunya as being hasty and now we bring that haste also into the masjid. But when it comes with our deen, you can't progress in deen properly unless you do it at a gradual pace. You just look at a baby, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises a child. From the day the child is born, you can't feed the child uh, solids. Um, you have to feed them liquids. And not just any liquids, you have to feed them milk. And not just any milk, either you know the, the mother's milk or in this day and age formula, which they have. And then gradually as the child grows, then you start introducing them to different foods. And then, okay, soft foods, then solids. And, you know, giving different types of fruits, vegetables, and, uh, you know, rice, grain, etc., all of that. And then they start growing, making sure they have more nutrition. All of that on a gradual basis. This, our physical body, our spiritual body also, our ruh, you can't just take everything at once. You have to gradually build your ruh. You have to gradually build a roar. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran that Rabbaniya bima kuntum tu'alimun al-kitab wa bima kuntum tadrusun That kunu rabbaniyina That basically be ulamai rabbaniyin Friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that have ilm and amal also in their life Because of the knowledge which you've acquired and that which you teach so Ulama Mufassir mentioned here that Teach the little knowledge Meaning the basics first Before moving on to the more intricate Aspects of knowledge Persons treading knowledge on the path of deen treading, uh, treading the path of knowledge And seeking knowledge also You don't just learn everything all at once It's on a gradual basis You start off slowly Your brain, Allah SWT is wired it in such a manner You can't handle things done in a quick manner Even scientifically When persons multitasking it's actually harmful for the brain But when you're focused And you're doing things in a gradual manner You'll be able to understand what you're doing And it will be healthy for your brain also Same goes with the Quran Person memorizing the Quran Person contemplating over the Quran It requires anat It requires composure It requires a person to be still in one place Not moving around You won't get the true benefit of the Quran You can recite the alfaz the words of the Quran, you can recite the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but the true nafar is when you actually do, when you contemplate over the Quran and to double over it. A simple thing that we can do in the month of Ramadan is have a book of, uh, a basic book of tafsir or a basic book of uh, just the translation itself. 
Look at those ayat which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has uh, talked about, you know, nature and just the creation of mankind, certain creations which He's created. Looking at uh, the stories of the prophets and stop and reflect over that. That you may ask, okay, how am I supposed to reflect over it? There's certain aspects that you will reflect. Okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, look, says, look at the camel, for example, in Surah Al-Hashiyah. Or look at the heavens, look at the skies. Do you see any holes in it? Now you look, okay, in the skies. Imagine if the, the sky had any holes. Well, then you look at it scientifically, we know the different layers of the skies, the ozone layer, and how the, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the sky in such a manner that the placement of the sun and the earth itself it's, very per it's completely perfect Because if it's too close It'll be too hot If it's too far It's too cold At the same time Simultaneously You have a layer In the sky Which is protecting us From the harmful rays Did it just come out From the blue? No it didn't come out From the blue Allah SWT made that There's no holes That you see All of a sudden Okay it's blue Or you know There's clouds And there's like A black hole there There's no holes there Allah SWT has made it Completely perfect The creation Allah SWT talks about The creation of a human being Inside the mother's womb And then no one is in charge of that creation No matter what you do No matter what medications you may take No matter how strong you know, Whatever scientific medical methods they have In order to save the child It's in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows when that child will come out And whether it will come out alive or not also An entire creation which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned How in the world is a mother able to do that The nutrients going into the, the child from mother's womb Allah subhanahu is only in charge of that And Allah subhanahu addressed the Arabs at that time The four stages That min nutfa That comes in different uh, ayats of the Quran Surah Hajj, Surah Mu'minun They weren't able to know it Now we know it But you can't ponder and reflect over the fact That Allah subhanahu revealed this over 1400 years ago No one knew about this They had no idea what changes were occurring within A mother's womb And there is the best form and uh, the best solution and cure to their problems was dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant them a righteous child and you know save them from sicknesses and grant them a healthy live child when it's born they didn't have all these things you know uh, hospitals or any of that which we had so they were the tawakkul was upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it easy for us you contemplate over that what happens it starts to create shukr inside your heart You're thankful for the blessing of having a child Many times we're not thankful for having the blessing of a child but Allah subhanahu wa mentions certain basic ayats If you're grateful to me, I'm going to increase in your blessings Now, contemplate, okay Am I grateful for the blessings Allah subhanahu has given me? The Quran is a book which is talking to us It's an interactive book because Allah subhanahu is addressing It's not just Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa It's addressing all of mankind Now how am I interacting with The book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The purpose of pondering, contemplating What does that do? It eventually leads to amal It leads to practical, practically implementing the book Because if you're not implementing the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala How can you be considered from Ahlullah? In a hadith that comes in Ibn Majah Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa Had said Inna lillahi that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Has quote unquote a, a family from amongst the people Ahl So the sahaba asked Ya Rasulullah manhum Who are they? So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Hum ahlul Quran Ahlullah yukhasatuhu They're the people of Quran 
Ahlullah, they are the family of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his special family, special people, special members. Now if you look in Surah Hud, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when Nuh alayhi salam, after he had sent out the rains and his son was killed as he was drowned, he wanada Nuh Rabbahu Fakala Rabbi inna inna banimin ahli wa inna wa'atakar haku wa anta ahkamul hakimin. Nuh had made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he said, Your promise is the truth. And my son was from my family. So what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say in response to him? He wasn't your family. Why wasn't your family? Mufassirun mentioned this. And in Surah Hujurat, that the brotherhood of religiosity, the brotherhood of religion, that has a stronger bond than even to the extent of your blood brothers. He said, He didn't have righteous actions, meaning he was not a believer. So he's not from your family. When Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says, When Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi said, The people of the Quran, they are Ahlullah. But Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is saying, With Nuh, his actions were not righteous and appropriate. He wasn't a believer. So when our actions are not righteous and in accordance to the Quran, how can we be considered Ahlullah also? And in order to be, get that fadila, be considered Ahlullah, you don't have to be a hafid of the Quran. But rather, you're making amal upon the Quran. You're practicing upon the Quran. Every, maybe, I mean, many ayat have ahkam, right? That might not be pertaining to us and applicable to us. But the Quran, one of the core aspects and themes of the Quran is regarding about person's akhlaq, their character, right? Uh, with salah itself, you know, our basic faraid in deen. Sunnah clarifies, Sunnah goes hand in hand with the Quran. Sunnah clarifies many ahkam which come in the Quran. Quran has a lot of usood and, and, and uh, principles, and especially regarding tawheed and with our basic tenets. Now, the, the emphasis Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives upon salah, iqamatu salah, aqimu salah, and hafidu ala salah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has never said, dawimu ala salah, just continuously pray salah. But rather, iqamatu salah, because when iqamah comes, you're erecting something, you're making something firmly rooted. So your five salahs, they're rooted in your life. And when something, you have five pillars that are rooted, what happens? You can't break them. You have to go around them. Like that, that's how our salah should be. That it's embedded within our deen, in our life, that everything revolves around our salah. Our salah doesn't revolve around everything. If I have to go to the mall, I have to go to the store, okay, what, how long will it take? And will I be able to catch salah in jama'ah or at least pray my salah on time? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used iqamat salah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't use, you know, addus salah, just perform the salah. He said, Hafidu ala salah. Safeguard your salah. Protect your salah. What does that mean? Taking care of all of the conditions of salah. The, pre, the, the, the wudu, the sharai, the preconditions, and whilst praying also, the concentration in salah. Your ruku, sujood, all aspects of the Quran also. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used Hafidu ala salah. Hafidu ala salawati wa salati wa salah. In different places of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned Hafidu. Now what is that? Obviously if you know the Arabic language you'll think why Allah wants to use this word compared to another word. And when you contemplate over that then Allah wants to open this up and you see okay this is the importance of what I need to do. 
But each ayah, we need to ask ourselves, is this ayah okay? Is it something which I can apply in my life? And am I, am I, am I uh, applying that ayah or not? Am I practicing up upon this ayah or not? Otherwise the Quran is going to come as a hujjah, as a proof against us. And there's so many programs, be it this much as any regard in, in the month of Ramadan with the tafsir of uh, like the, 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 the Quran which they read in that night in the month of Ramadan. Okay, you can sit for that, for that. If it gets late, like I said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it so easy for us. For us, we really have no hujjah. In that time, you had to travel so far for, for brothers and sisters in order to hear a tafsir of the Quran. Or, you know, books weren't readily available, let alone PDFs. You have to go to a library, okay, or spend money to buy a book. Now, you have PDFs of these uh, books of tafsir, of the translations. You have cars that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. Why so make it easier for us to come to the masjid and actually sit in the tafasi and listen to it? And then think, okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they'll mention what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning in the Quran, what was read in that juz that night. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want from me now? We know, or, you know, it's famously, the famous story of Shaykh al-Hind, Mahmoud, uh, uh, Mahmoud Hassan, and Goyi rahimullah, that when he was in jail in Ma and his, when he came out of jail, and when he came back to India, his students and the other ulama had asked him, you know, he had addressed them, that whilst I was in jail, I had contemplated and pondered, and I came to this conclusion that the ummah is in chaos, and the ummah is in its current state because of two reasons. It's current state because of two reasons. Number one, the ikhtilaf that they have. Not like the fiqh ikhtilaf, but um, you know that people uh, are not following. Are the, sorry, they're taking the fiqh ikhtilaf as a means to become, label each other as kufr, label each other as kafirs, right? Um, and having that dispute, not our ikhtilaf in our aqidah, right? With groups that are bidati like Shias and uh, Qadariya and other groups That's different right? We have our diff Those are uh, in Aqidah Some people with certain beliefs that they have They will be out of the fold of Islam But the ikhtilaf that we have Even amongst someone's not religious Amongst our own family members Or You know they're not following Deen as how we're following it Then we'll separatize from them And we'll consider them as outcasts Whereas then you should try to help them Get closer to the if it's possible and they're willing to listen. And the second reason he said was that the people have left the Quran. The Muslims have left the Quran. Not just reciting it, but knowing what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. Because if you just knew, if you just recited the Quran, you're just preserving the external. You're not preserving the internal. You're not preserving the practicality of the Quran. You're just preserving the words. But that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made sure that. People, a lot to, uh, that this language has to be preserved also, the Arabic language. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised ulamai rabbaniyin that preserved the deen, that understood the Quran, and conveyed the meanings of the Quran also. So it's very important that we have a habit uh, in the month of Ramadan to contemplate over the Quran, contemplate th over those ayat, and ask, am I making, am I practicing upon the Quran also? Make a goal of 
you know, I want to be able to contemplate, even if it's a half a juz throughout the entire uh, month. Because half a juz, right, like as, as I mentioned, contemplating takes time. Pondering takes time. It's not a quick thing that you do. You may ponder over one verse throughout the entire day. That's why you have, for example, mentioned Sahabi of Lisa Fatima radiallahu anha. I think it was mentioned with Fatima radiallahu The entire night, she was reciting one ayah and crying because of contemplation. And that ayah was in Surah, uh, I believe it was Surah uh, Zumar. And on the day of judgment, that will become apparent and appear before their eyes, which they never even imagined and reckoned that they will come. Mean the sins, that you committed the sin and you deemed it to be insignificant. But Allah SWT will bring that upon the day of judgment, that will be a source of a person's punishment. Be it referring to kuffar or even us, obviously Muslims also. An entire night. Reciting the eye and crying over that. Rather than for us, ask the teenagers, I mean, there, I don't think there's so many teenagers here in this uh, talk, but <laughs> give them a video game. Entire night, you can probably pray, play it. One movie, or not movie, one movie, maybe, you know, two, three people watching Netflix that entire night. And the Sahaba, one ayah contemplating over that. Entire night, she didn't realize until Fajr Adhan was given. Because they had the ladha. You get the ladha and the taste when you, of the Quran. We actually contemplate over it. When you're just reading, you don't get the love of it. When you contemplate, when Allah Subhanahu opens up to your heart, open, uh, opens up your heart, makes your heart softer, and your iman increases with that, then you get a love of the Quran, and then you want to read more Quran and contemplate over it more. So may Allah Subhanahu wa Taala give us a tawfiq, an ability to contemplate over the Quran. In the month of Ramadan and even outside the month of Ramadan, grant us the ability to follow the Quran and the, uh, the commandments of the Quran. We'll just do a quick dhikr, inshallah, and then uh, we can pray Salat al Ishraq, and then uh, the breakfast is served downstairs, inshallah. Okay.